What's up, this Shaq Barrett, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 60th episode of Season 3. Today, we're talking about Week 8 takeaways and Week 9 waiver wire. We have another 16 takeaways from all the games that have happened up through Sunday night. This is not included in the Monday game, so if anything happened in the Monday night game, this will not be in this episode. But these are the biggest takeaways got. we got a lot of different things to talk about today, a lot of things that you need to be keeping an eye on as we head into Week 9 and we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. We also have our top 10 waiver wire picks for this week. But that being said, let's jump in to the Week 8 takeaways, starting with Travis ATN. For Travis E.T. friggin' awesome, who played 76% of the snaps this week, 80% last week, and this week with James Robinson finally gone, he saw a career-high 27 total touches for 162 total yards and a touchdown. The only time he came off was when he had a long play or a long run and Jamichael Hasty would come in for one or two plays to give him a breather, but ultimately it was the Travis Etienne show. Regardless of 76% of the snaps, 27 touches between carries plus targets is just absolutely amazing for Etienne. That is going to continue for the rest of the season. He has a nice schedule. He is a top 10 running back for the rest of the season. In that same game, Melvin Gordon played 56% of the snaps to 44% for Latavius Murray. I thought that Murray, I mean, sorry, Gordon would probably be the guy because he was pushing Javante Williams for touches, but it seems like more this is going to be a 50-50 split. I know that Murray outplayed Gordon this week, but I think that, you know, season long, it is going to stay with Gordon. Murray's 32 and he's a little bit older. We'll talk a little bit more about him later, but I think Gordon ultimately is going to take the lion's share, but I think it's probably going to be about a 60-40 split or less every single week. Where it wasn't a split was Deontay Foreman and the Panthers. Chuba Hubbard was out, and Deontay Foreman played 68% of the snaps, had 27 of the 36 touches for the Carolina Panthers, and Chuba Hubbard is going to come back, and Hubbard was the running back one in the first game without CMC, but with how well Foreman played, having three touchdowns against the Falcons this past week, I think that he is going to take over as the starter. Hubbard, still worth a pickup. They're still worth keeping him on your team, but I think that Foreman is going to be the guy going forward. Another guy trending up, Michael Gallup, 93% row participation. He's looking healthier coming off the ACL. The production hasn't been there, but the fact that he's playing with Dak Prescott in this high-powered offense and is getting over 90% of the routes for, you know, so a guy that has been out for so long, we absolutely love to see it. I think that he is going to go up. A guy that's going down for me a little bit is Dalton Schultz. He's been dealing with an injury. I'm curious to see how well he's going to be playing off it coming off the bye. My biggest reason for concern is this past week he had just 64% of the routes ran, which is just not good. They were playing other guys in that tight end room, and Dalton Schultz wasn't the same you know, 90-plus percent route participation player we saw all through last year. Hopefully that'll come out of the bye, but I'm a little bit worried and you know, for me right now, he might be a sell high because if he doesn't get back to that, then I just don't know if, you know, Dalton Schultz is going to be worth it week to week because he really has not been that worth it week to week. But that's mostly because Ben Dak has been out. Guy that has been worth it, Raheem Mostert. We talk about him every week. Still going to talk about him this week. 65% of the snaps this week. He has his next three games all against bottom 10 run defenses. He didn't have a great game against Detroit, but otherwise he's been having a lot of good weeks. He's got great matchups coming up. Still the cheapest running back one in fantasy football. To the Lions game, big thing to note, DeAndre Swift played 55% of the snaps to 36% for Jamal Williams. I know, 
Swift is in his first game coming off injury, and I know that Jamal Williams is leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns, but this has been the split that we've seen constantly where Williams is only playing about a third of the snaps. I think that is going to continue. He is obviously fantasy relevant right now. I'd be crazy to call him not, but I think that if anything, Swift's participation is only going to go up. The touches are going to go up. This is just his first game coming back from injury. He's only going to get healthier. They're off the bye. They have no other bye weeks for the rest of the season. Another thing to note, Rondale Moore, 98% route participation, only missed one route of 53 all game. He was back to the slot for about half the time where he dominated more on him later. Another guy that is a sell candidate, Irv Smith, 50% route participation. Seemed like he got hurt late in that Vikings game, and we don't know if he's going to be healthy or coming back, but ultimately his route participation is just not where we want it to be. Irv Smith is not someone that I'm going to be keeping on a lot of my fantasy teams. The guy that I will be keeping, Jacoby Myers, who led the Patriots, who has led the Patriots in target share in 10 straight healthy games. Man is absolutely elite, commanding targets, now commanding touchdowns in two of his last three games. Jacoby Myers on the rise, buy low if you still can. Another guy that probably isn't in a buy low window anymore, but it's been amazing, Ramondre Stevenson. You know, Damian Harris practiced fully for the second straight week, and Stevenson still saw 65% of the snaps. He is their best runner, it seems like, and he is also their main pass catcher, which is really where Stevenson is going to make his money. I think he's a running back one the rest of the way. If you can get him for a price cheaper than a running back one, I would be buying him. Guy I'm selling, Michael Carter, 56% of the snaps in James Robinson's first game. I think that is only going to tick down as the season goes along, and the fact that he only had about half the backfield snaps with Robinson just learning the offense for about a week. I think that number is only going to go down. I'm selling high on anyone that believes that Michael Carter is going to be the back. I think it is going to be James Robinson. Is anyone going to be effective? I don't really think so. I'm probably selling both running backs, but definitely selling Carter if anybody right now because I think that Robinson, more likely than not, is going to be the lead guy. Another guy that is a sell for me, believe it or not, Antonio Gibson. And maybe I'm going to regret this, but Antonio Gibson led the Washington backfield with just 36% of the snaps. Yes, he saw a carry or a target on 14 of his 22 snaps, but he's never going to, you know, consistently see a target on roughly or or carry on roughly 60% of his snaps. The 36% backfield thing is just scary. As long as they continue to play Brian Robinson, which I hope they don't. Amazing story, but we need Antonio Gibson on the field. I just don't know if he's going to be able to have that week-to-week consistency. His snap share has fluctuated the entire season, and his production has fluctuated the entire season. I think he's been the best running back of the three, but ultimately McKissick is still going to see work. Robinson is still going to see work, and this still isn't that great of an offense. So I think that Antonio Gibson, for me, is a sell for people that believe that he is trending up big time. Guy that might be trending up, Michael Pittman, a 41% target share with Sam Ellinger, and a Season high 33% route per t- target per route run per PFF. Seeing a target on 33% of his routes is amazing. He has a season high 24% before that. And that is the exact kind of number, like I said, per PFF. And when, like I said, he had a 9% higher target per route run rate than any other game that he's had this season. That is really good for Michael Pittman. And if Sam Ellinger can give him the ball consistently, Michael Pittman's going to have a lot more big games. Another guy that could have some big games, hopefully is Allen Robinson, who saw eight targets this week, targeted on 23% of his routes. Cooper Cup is dealing with an ankle injury. It seems like he dodged a bullet in his words, but ultimately if Cup is ailing or this ankle injury lingers at all, that can mean bigger news for Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, his last two games have been the best that we've seen of him almost all season at this point. 
I'm willing to buy if he's out there in the waiver wire. Am I going to be trading much for him? Probably not. But if he's out there in the waiver wire, like I've seen in some of my leagues, I'm definitely going after him. And finally, Daryl Henderson did lead the backfield with 41% of the snaps, but it seems like as soon as you know tomorrow or as you're seeing this or today, rather, with the trade deadline, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams add another running back. Even if it is Daryl Henderson, I'm selling. He just, I just don't see them leading the backfield. They said that Kyron Williams is going to have a big role when he comes back. We don't know if they want to give the ball to Ronnie Rivers or Malcolm Brown. But ultimately, I just don't know if Henderson is going to be the lead back for the full season. I would expect them to make a trade or a move. They were in on the CMC deal, as was reported. And it seems like they're in on some of these other running backs that could be traded. So I'm just trying to get out early. If Henderson is still the only guy there after Tuesday, then maybe, you know, you got to just hold on to him. And if you especially if you need a running back. But ultimately, I just don't know if we can trust Daryl Henderson long term. That is it for the takeaways. Let's jump into the waiver wire. Top 10 waiver wire picks. Number one, Justin Fields, who is a top 10 QB for the rest of the season, dare I say. The rush attempts for Justin Fields have just been absolutely amazing all year. And finally, the fantasy production is coming with it. He's had... Sorry, he's gone up in fantasy points in five straight weeks now. He's had at least seven carries in every single game this season, at least 47 rushing yards in every game since week three, rushing for a touchdown in back-to-back weeks. And now he has his three best matchups of the season. He hasn't played a bottom 10 defense against quarterbacks all year. And now he plays Miami, Detroit, and Atlanta, who are all bottom five in points given up to to quarterbacks so far this season. They're going to give up a lot of points to someone like Justin Fields that is on an absolute hot streak. Meanwhile, he just absolutely torched, uh, maybe not torched, that's maybe a little unfair, but torched fantasy football-wise. The Dallas Cowboys, who were his toughest matchup all year to the tune of three total touchdowns, now his best matchups of the season. I am grabbing him. My number two guy, I had a hard time with this, but it's Isaiah Pacheco, and that's that he could be the starter. It's post-buy. He's a rookie. The last week before the bye, Clyde Rizzi-Lair had his lowest snaps that he's had in the game. Jarek McKinnon is over 30 years old. The main point here, is Pacheco going to take over the backfield? We have no idea. Maybe it's only a 20% chance that he takes over and plays a really valuable role. But I'm willing to spend my number two waiver pick on that kind of role every single day of the week. If it happens, it's going to be ridiculously valuable. And he is going to be a league winner in fantasy football. Worst comes to worst, he goes back in your waiver wire. He is the perfect kind of player to be adding because he is an insane league winning potential that you can get for very cheap on the waiver wire. I'm definitely going after him the same way I'm going after Rondell Moore. Finally playing half his snaps in the slot. And that led to him getting seven catches for 92 yards and a touchdown. When he's been outside, he hasn't done well. But when they put him in the slot, he's been great. That's where he played this week. I think even when Marquise Brown comes back, it seems like Moore is going to play that slot role. And that slot role is going to be really good. Rondell Moore has seen eight-plus targets in three of his last four games. I am willing to buy. Another guy that I'm you know, cautiously, optimistically buying is Garrett Wilson. You know, This week, he had seven targets, six catches, 115 yards against the Patriots. The good thing about Garrett Wilson is that he's really talented. He's a first-run rookie, and he should only get better going into the back half of the season. The bad thing is Zach Wilson. Obviously, they don't want Elijah Moore to see the field for whatever reason, which is crazy enough for the Jets coaching staff. But ultimately, I just don't know if Zach Wilson is going to be able to get Garrett Wilson the ball enough consistently. We've seen it all year, whether with DJ Moore, who's finally doing some good things, or Terry McLaurin, who's finally doing some good things. Quarterback play holds people back. And when their passing volume is down and Joe Flacco is not the quarterback 
has not been helpful for Garrett Wilson. He did have a nice blow-up game, but he has three straight games against the bottom 10 defense. Ultimately, he's up high on this list because of his talent, but I just don't know if we can believe in him in this offense and Zach Wilson week to week, but it seems like there'll be in some trailing game skips, which definitely does help someone like Garrett Wilson. My number five pick, Greg Dolchich, the third most receiving yards all time in a player's first three games at the tight end position behind only Aaron Hernandez, who is number one, and a guy named Randy McDaniel at number two. And I, I might have messed up his name there, but I'm pretty sure it is Randy McDaniel. Not an insane list to be on, but Greg Dolchich has seen three, five, and nine targets. He's had 44, 51, and 87 total yards. They're on and by this week that Denver is. That's why he's a little bit lower. But they have some nice matchups. Dolchich has clearly been a very rare, bright spot in this Broncos passing offense, and I'm willing to invest. It seems like he could be this year's late-round tight end. Another guy have to stash in your teams is Rashad White. He has looked better than Leonard Fournette, and there's a chance that he starts to play more than Leonard Fournette at some point during this season. The biggest thing I want to highlight, I'm not here to predict injuries, but Fournette has broken down over the course of each of the last two seasons at the end where he's you know missed a couple games down the stretch near the fantasy football playoffs. Leonard Fournette has missed three-plus games in four of his five seasons. They are already eight games through this season. I would not be surprised if Leonard Fournette misses a game or two coming up potentially. Leonard, Rashad White would be an automatic running back one if Fournette goes down. That is the point here. You should be stashing him on your teams, at least over some of these other guys that are on this list. Number seven. Terrace Marshall, nine targets, four catches, 87 yards against the easiest matchup in the league that is the Atlanta Falcons. That's great and all. Terrace Marshall is still worth a pickup for me. They don't have anyone else anymore with no Robbie Anderson, no Christian McCaffrey, and that's why we've seen an inflated target share for both DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall. If they continue to pass high volume, they continue to trail in a lot of games, and they continue to, you know, almost win games like they have the last two weeks beating Tampa Bay and then barely losing to Atlanta because of a kick. I am willing to invest in this team and people that are throwing to Terrace Marshall. Do I think he's a great way to pick up? Not exactly. I think this is a little bit of a slower week, but definitely someone that is worth a pickup, especially when he plays Atlanta again just two weeks from now. Definitely keep an eye on him. Another guy to keep an eye on is Marcus Mariota, who is now a top 10 fantasy football quarterback playing in the ugliest offense of all time. But ultimately, it is great for Marcus Mariota. He's running the ball. He's putting up yards, and he is also putting up touchdowns. Whether you like it or you hate it, this Falcons team is winning games at this point. I think they're 4-4 four and four now, and the big reason is because Marcus Mariota has played pretty well, and his style of play has definitely fit this team a little bit. Who I'm not picking up is Caleb Huntley. Seems like Cordero Patterson and Damian Williams can both be activated on IR this week. Huntley's been good. Algier's been okay. But I think that ultimately they're going to go back to Cordero Patterson or Damian Williams. But Marcus Mariota, I think, is a top 10 QB in fantasy football. Do I think he'll finish there? Probably not, but he's been hot and he is worth a waiver wire pickup if you need someone. Next guy I want to talk about Latavius Murray. Talked to him at the top of the show, and I think that he's interesting because he's outplayed Melvin Gordon, I think, at least last week. But he's still a 32-year-old running back in a timeshare in an offense that has been among the worst in the league. I just don't know how much we can trust him. If you need a spot fill-in at the running back position, I get it. Go for it. You're like You're welcome, but... Ultimately, Latavius Murray, I don't think is going to be someone that we look at and say, league winner, that guy made a difference in my playoff run. I'd rather be holding your fab or moving up on the waiver wire to grab someone else. But again, Latavius Murray is worth it if you need to fill in in a pinch. Another guy similar, Isaiah Likely, who is the backup tight end for Mark Andrews, played absolutely awesome 
without Andrews, and if Andrews misses any time, and especially with Rashad Bateman now set to miss the next couple weeks, that would be really good for someone like Isaiah Likely, but it seems like Andrews has a shot to play this week. If he misses as a tight end handcuff, Isaiah Likely is a good option. Speaking of handcuffs, last honorable mention player I want to talk about is Josh Palmer. He's filling in for Mike Williams, and he is going to be the number two guy, at least the wide receiver position behind Keenan Allen. Josh Palmer's had a couple nice games, and they have a couple nice matchups coming up. So willing to invest in Josh Palmer. Don't think he's great season long. The second that Mike Williams is back, which will probably be in about three or four weeks, I think Palmer is going right back to the waiver wire. But at least as all these bye weeks are happening, you know, in weeks nine through 10, 11, 12, when all these heavy bye weeks are happening, that's definitely a really, really great time to be having someone such as Josh Palmer. Definitely think about picking him up in your fantasy football leagues. But that is it today for the week eight takeaways and week nine never wear. As always, I hope you guys enjoyed. If you have any feedback, don't forget to hit my DMs at Alex Caruso on Twitter to make this podcast the best that it possibly can be. But as always, you guys already know. Please leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.